Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, as well as a resiliency expert. And my purpose in life is to encourage people to live positively through the many and varied challenges we face in life. And you can find out more about the radio show at journeytosuccessradio.com. My guest today is a second-time guest and one of the authors in Journeys to Success, Napoleon Hill-inspired stories, a good friend of mine, an encouragement to me because of my physical challenges. His name is Dale Spencer. Dale strives to live an extraordinary life, not satisfied with professional accolades and success. He's on a mission to help eradicate paralysis by fear. Fear. What a big uh, stumbling block for so many people. Dale has achieved success both professionally and personally by looking fear in the face and triumphing in spite of it. He has been sharing his story and techniques with audiences for more than 18 years and mostly speaks to youth organizations, chambers, associations, and businesses throughout the U.S. And his presentations focus on working in a positive way with natural fear to achieve life's goals. And Dale is currently in the process of writing his own book that tells his story and shares his thoughts on how to harness the power of, of, of fear to fuel your success. And we haven't even talked about the most significant event in Dale's life, which we will shortly. Welcome to the show today, Dale. Oh, Tom, glad to be here. Thank you so much. I uh, love in your introduction somewhat like mine or how I live my life. You don't even mention your big, tragic, uh, preventable accident that happened, uh, I think, when you were 20 years old. So let's go through that uh, first so people know how you became a fear expert. Sure. Actually, it started uh, back in 1988. I was at uh, NIU, Northern Illinois University. It was my junior year. <clears throat> decided with some friends to uh, go to a party and take a break from studying for finals. Cold December night, we're on our way to, a, um, to the party on foot, took a shortcut on some railroad tracks, uh, longest cut I've ever made in my life, and I'm on the tracks uh, walking across a railroad trestle. And for those who don't know what a trestle is, it's just basically a bridge that only trains are supposed to go to not, uh, through, not human beings. <laughs> So I'm walking across, I slipped, uh, I lost my balance, slipped on one of the railroad ties, and I fell over to the side, and it was about a four-story drop. And I landed in a river, and it was only about a foot deep, though, so it really didn't help my impact. Um, I believe my saving grace was the fact that I was, conscious the, I was conscious as soon as I hit the ground. There's a lot of these situations people lose, the, you know, they get in a coma a good hours, days, weeks, perhaps even months. In my case, right. I was lucid the moment I hit the ground, so I screamed out to my friends, 
they were luckily still in the area, heard my voice, they followed it and found me. I told them what happened, and uh, they immediately ran to a, a nearby house, used the phone to call an ambulance. The ambulance came over and, you know, secured me with a neck brace and flat board to make sure I was immobilized, sent me to a local hospital there. I went uh, by helicopter to a level one trauma center. In this case, it was Northwestern Memorial Hospital, which is downtown Chicago, and there, uh, I was uh, diagnosed as having a spinal cord injury. I busted my T12, which is my lower back, and it's affecting my uh, legs. And uh, since 88, I've been in a wheelchair. So after that injury <clears throat> happened, and the, uh, they brought me to the operation room and uh, had a 12-hour excruciating surgery to replace the bone. And, of course, they couldn't fix the spinal cord because to this day there's no cure for spinal cord injuries. Uh, I do say there's a when, not an if. Uh, but at the moment, not um, not realistic, and uh, basically sent me over to rehab uh, after I recovered somewhat and uh, went through uh, a very exhausting physical, uh, psychological therapy, occupational therapy, uh, learning how to use a wheelchair and learning how to become independent in life. And uh, I was there for about two months, and uh, after the t- subsequent to the two months, I transitioned to home and immediately went back to college and uh, got my undergraduate degree because uh, I th- I thought with going through all of those five stages of uh, grief that I had that underlying foundation that, you know what, it, this happened to me, I have no control over that now, but what I can have control over is to be happy in my life and to succeed in every aspect of it. And so that has been my um, underlying goal ever since. And so I got my undergraduate degree in May of 91, I was 22 years old. And I went into the real estate industry, and I've been in the real estate industry for about 25 years, and actually wow. a a keynote speaker for the last three years. So I actually have two businesses now. Wow, wow, wow! And uh, let me tell you, it's something I I don't think I told very many people. I don't think my family knows. But one time, your fear is my biggest fear. One time when I was young, I got diagnosed with, obviously, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was five. And uh, I think around 10 or 11 or something, I was in a doctor's office with my mom, and the doctor said, the odds are highly likely that Tom will be in a wheelchair in his teens or 20s. And when I heard that, my brain freaked out. And I made a promise, you will do whatever it takes to stay out of a wheelchair because if you get in one, you're just going to immediately roll yourself over to a cliff and end it. And sadly, but maybe in a good way, that has been a major focus of all I do to fight my disease and my four hips, four knees, two shoulders are placed, everything else mostly is fused, it doesn't move, but uh, that is a big fear of mine, so if that had happened to me. You know, we all I, have our, our, our challenges, you know, to, to overcome, and so it's right. funny that you say that, it's because, you know what, your goal was to make sure that you were going to be as ambulatory as possible and not let your condition um you know, overcome you. And I felt the same way. Even though I couldn't walk, I knew that, you know what, I needed to move on. I didn't have to obsess being in a wheelchair all the time. Again, it was something I couldn't control, but I wanted to live life. And that totally dwarfed all of my other feelings of insecurities and and how people were going to react to me when they see me in a wheelchair. And, uh, you know, but it's a quiet taste, Tom. 
it, it's not overnight. You know, I, I thought I had thick skin when I went back to college, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was in a, a college that didn't have a lot of people in wheelchairs, and that's who's all, you know, everybody had their eyes on me. And so that was something that I had to overcome and, and, and not worrying about what people thought about me or how to react to me, how to um, talk to me. I, I, I couldn't worry about any of that. I had to, I was there for a purpose. My purpose was to get a degree and move on to the next phase of my life. Right. But at the same time, it's freaking hard. Uh, uh, well, friend, We're human. We're human. My friend Keith, uh, best friend, Roger, he was in town maybe five years ago. We were at a hotel in downtown Toronto. And he mentioned partway through, he said, I have forgotten how many people here and look at you when they walk by and I was like I am usually oblivious to it but when I was young and you know teenager but you know I limp I'm five foot one and my joints are disjointed and not in natural positions and, and so when I was younger it was like really bothersome that people and Oh, yeah, and that's part of the adjustment phase when you're worried about what people are thinking about you. But you know what? As You know what? You're a busy guy. You've got so many things. You have so many irons in the fire, and you're doing a lot of successful stuff. So that is your focus. You're not focused about what people are doing and staring at you. Because I get the same thing. I have friends that actually t- tell me if they're with me, and they're like, wow, there's some people that are staring at you. I, I swear, I'm the same as you. I, I'm oblivious to it because I, I, I don't even – it's a mindset. I don't even – register that. I got other things I worry about on my mind than people what people think about me. Right, right. Now, Dale, I have found a great blessing about oh I, I was gonna say handicap, but I'm using my wife's new word that I'm gonna get into the dictionary called handy capable. Yes. Handicapped handicapped is like a stigma, but handy capable is like I can do whatever you can. I just have to do it slower and differently. But I found that being handy capable, one of the greatest ways to overcome some of the fears of it is to be creative. Like if you followed me for a day or a few days, you would see numerous ways that I have to be creative in doing things that people without the benefit of a handy capable uh, don't have to do. And I'm sure, like, I've thought of numerous things that would be interesting to know about the life of someone in a wheelchair. But don't you find that if you have overcome a few of the simple things or a few things when you first got in a wheelchair, oh, I learned how to do that. Ooh, this is how I could do that. Ooh, this when is how I can arrange my house. Yeah, you know, when I was in uh, rehab, um, rehab, and you know, specifically the goal of the occupational therapist is to make sure that I'm going to be able to do every functional thing and task in my life during the course of any given day, being in a wheelchair. And in saying that, um, it's been, you know, it's been joyous uh, in the fact that I that was my baby steps in working with. Um, myself and my capabilities and having somebody with, through my support systems to help me become independent. So, you know, they can only teach you so much, obviously. When you go into a society that is not sheltered like a hospital, and what I mean sheltered is very conducive to somebody in a wheelchair. Right. You know, you, you have the Biden doorways, you have the person, the, the button with the person in the blue wheelchair, you know, push it and automatically open. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it'll many places, and I'm in a very progressive 
city. I'm in the Chicagoland area. And even I still see a lot of places that are not accessible. And if I'm by myself, I need to problem solve on any given day. And this has been 27 right. years of, you know, of processing and, and modifying my situation. Right. And so because of the knowledge of the past and all the ways you've adapted, you have less fear of the unknown. Um, basically, probably in every area of your life, you could always think, well, it's not as bad as becoming paralyzed. What can I be afraid of? And let's talk mm-hmm. about fear because fear is the single greatest roadblock of people's lives. Napoleon Hill talks about six basic fears um, and everybody has them in some form or another. Fear of criticism. This is one of Napoleon Hill's one. And uh, so fear of poverty, fear of old age, uh, forget the other ones. But let's talk about that because if people could eliminate their greatest fears, they could and would pursue their life's purpose and achieve it. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, what do you think? Uh, like, what are some tips or ideas? Oh, okay. Thoughts, so. thoughts that people could have? Because thoughts rule the mind. So you're experiencing fear or thinking fear thoughts. What are some thoughts you could adjust to or change to or things you could do to like eradicate that fear or at least lessen it to enough of a degree that you take action? So I always talk to my audiences about different attributes that we have to utilize inside us um, to overcome any fear. And uh, and I go by the acronym FEARS, F-E-A-R-S. So you're talking about first focus, second energy, third attitude, for uh, our resilience and S for support systems. And so in every task that I've done ever since I've been in rehab, I've utilized those attributes <clears throat> to overcome any type of fear. And so if there's something that, um, you know, that comes in front of me that I, makes me very uncomfortable, it's like, well, okay, well, I'm focusing on getting out of that comfort zone. So how can I do that? Um, and then what I do is I use my energy because, you know, when you start working out body, mind, and soul, it gives you a lot of confidence, whether it be meditation mm-hmm. or working out physically. Um, you're talking about um, the soul reading a lot of um, uh, self-help books. I mean, that, that's at least the journey that I take. Uh, everybody else, has, you know, everybody has this, their own separate journey. Um, the attitude, you know, people people view that. When you're talking in front of, when I'm talking in front of an audience, you know, if they don't believe, the, the words that I'm saying, um, they're not going to listen. And so I have to first believe in myself and have the positive attitude inside me and convince myself before I can help anybody else. And so also resilience, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, in the last 15 minutes we've been talking about, you know, our arduous journeys and uh, how we have um, grown spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and being successful in spite of the uh, conditions and diseases and so forth. And then, of course, you can't do it appearing on your own. You got to have a support system. You know, the support system to me um, stands for my family, friends, business associates, uh, mentors, role models in life. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. It sounds cliche, but it's so true. Right, right. And I love that first one focus. It's so important. We have 50 to 60,000 thoughts every day in our lives. And uh, how you focus on something determines how you feel about it. And uh, I love also about 
the part about energy and you mentioned working out because well, as you know I love to work out and exercise and I probably have a better body than anyone who's ever had rheumatoid arthritis I, I just love pool exercising, treadmill, weights. And you spoke about that, and people would automatically give you a pass on working out. They're like, okay, Dale, you don't need to work out. You're all right. Just eat properly. And most doctors would be like, hey, Tom, you shouldn't be working out like that. Um, So talk about, because energy is so important. If you are already down in your spiritual and mental energy, and wow, powerful that you mentioned reading books, because... Uh, people, and I do interviews because people like yourself, two other guys I interviewed born without arms and legs, those people like excite me. So when I read a book or hear about them, anything I go through would be like, those guys would love to go through this. They don't even, they don't even have a sore uh, or an ankle or a, a wrist or an elbow to be sore. And so, uh, the energy, the spiritual reading book, so that you know that people overcome amazing things and keeping your body fit. Uh, I just feel better being fit. I think it gives me more energy, more ability to do the things I need to do uh, in the ways I need to do them. Uh, tremendous that you uh, uh, talk about that, but focus is the main one. Focus is what I love the most is Napoleon Hill, you said your thoughts are the only things that God gave you 100% complete control over and so if you just start thinking of your fears differently um, you will feel better how about some action steps is there anything maybe on a weekly or a daily basis some things you can do in your lives that build up courage that help eliminate fear that help you just go through it i know you can't eliminate fear <laughs> i have fears too but no but you can manipulate you can manipulate it tom you can manipulate it as using it as, as fuel for success and a lot of people don't know how to do that. And so when, when right. I talk about, you know, that laser focus, I talk about preparation. So the night before, what I usually like to do is prepare for the next day. So as soon as I wake up, I know exactly what I need to do when I need to do it, whether it be working out, whether it be educating myself in my own business, uh, the meditation part, my phone calls, my prospecting, my writing, um, my, uh, you know, building in not only in my business and dealing with the minutia, but also looking at your business on a 30,000 foot level. You know, a lot of people get so stuck in the weeds that they don't look that, at that, uh, that macro view. And, um, and a lot of people are lost because they're dealing with one specific situation, and, which is not to say it's not important, but you know, when you make every decision, you have to make sure that the decision is good for your own business or your own position at the, the company that you're working for. Right. Right, exactly. Now, uh, I was thinking of you last night, and I was thinking of uh, the fact that my definite purpose came out of my handy capable, uh, which is to encourage people to live positively through challenges. But I don't like talking about my arthritis. I don't like talking about the surgeries, the pain all over, the limitations. It brings me back into those experiences and emotions. And, and if I am with friends or family, I never talk about rheumatoid arthritis or how I'm feeling. Like, I'd be a complete failure if I ended up having to talk about that. And nobody asked me about it. And probably in your own life, uh, you prefer not to talk about the accident and all the things you had to go through. And 
how you manage and all that. And so our purposes uh, have come through our challenges, uh, and not necessarily what we would love to be our purposes, like, uh, but we are able to encourage others because of what we've gone through. Is that kind of how it is with you? Do you like your clients ask you or your family or friends, hey, Dale, how's the wheelchair going? Or any new things that you're having challenges with? And talk about how you came into your purpose because uh, real estate is how you earn your money, but your purpose is helping people with that fear, the fear that you've gone through yourself. That's why I started my keynote speaking business, you know, and then when you're starting a business, um, what is your why? My why is I wanted to help other people. You know, I've been along to this organization called Think First Injury Prevention. What I do is I go to high schools and middle schools and talk about injury prevention, preventing spinal cord and traumatic brain injuries by making sound decisions. And so I've been doing that for, at the, at the point of starting the keynote speaking business, I was about 17 years into it. So I, at that point, I was talking to, maybe 70, 80,000 students over in the Chicagoland area. And, uh, you know, first when I started with Think First, it was all self-therapeutic. I had to get over my demons. But then there was this paradigm shift of not only just helping myself, but helping others with conveying my message and that hero's journey and that situation where I was, you know, made a mistake and now I'm, I'm living with it, but I'm being successful at the same time and it gives me the opportunity to, to circle back and help our youth make those sound decisions. So getting into the keynote speaking part of it, it was an easy why. My why was to help other people. But how was I going to convey that message? Because injury prevention, the, the message of injury prevention, is so important out there. However, it's not relatable to all adult audiences unless you're parents. But, you know, when you're talking to associations or you're talking to private corporations, that's fine and dandy, but they wanted to get the takeaways that they can really instill in their lives. And so what I had to do was I needed to make sure and I had to really do some soul searching to see what kind of message that I can do that would, you no know, matter if somebody's from Tokyo, Indianapolis, Netherlands, or Chicago, that they can really have some good takeaways from message and who or what type of patterns do people have in common all throughout the world. It's fear. Fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of abandonment, fear of uh, clowns, you know, fear of speaking in front of an audience. And so I developed, started developing programs and interviewing, you know, countless people about their different type of fears and how they approached it and how they analyzed it and how they broke through it and how it was to be successful because of that fear. And that was my why, to help to convey that message to help other people in life, whether it be their personal or professional lives. Right, right. And, uh, Yet, probably not something you ever would have done if you hadn't been in that wheelchair. And youth, oh man, that's a that's a market I want to hit. If you can start changing their thoughts and their thinking and their actions, then uh, you can affect a lot of people that will be related to them later in life. And, uh, and our, uh, amazing that, our that, hey, yeah, our, our our youth is our future, and it's important to, to give that message. The one other point that I wanted to talk to you about is about the wheelchair thing. When people ask me questions about it, what I do is, and I used to get a little taken back when people asked some very forthcoming questions, but you know what? I turned it into a learning experience. So somebody asked me a question about the wheelchair. I view it as, you know, this is a a teachable moment, and that's how I, you know, how I view it, and that's how I explain to them, whether it be driving my car or trying to get by around by myself or even going to the bathroom. That's the one I had in my head. <laughs> in the yeah, bathroom exactly. One. Those are those I are have questions. a hard time. 
I have a hard time uh, wiping. I can't reach. My elbows and wrists and that don't yeah. reach, so I had to come up or, with an invention. Or sacks. That's a right. huge part. People aren't thinking about that all the time. Right. And isn't it better and that I do people it in a very, actually... It's better, ahead, that people actually, it's better that actually people come out and ask you because if you're just wondering about it, you're not embarrassed. You live it. I'm not embarrassed. I had to go through it. This is what I have to do. So it's better that people ask out of the curiosity or interest than hold it inside and be in a nervous task. And I do it in a very appropriate way when I answer those types of questions, especially with youth audiences, because sometimes you get some curveballs and people ask you some outlandish questions, and you have to approach it in a certain way. And uh, so I've learned how to do that over the years. Right, right, right. Your answer differs if you're with youth than maybe if you're with an older audience, and youth can come up with some pretty creative uh, questioning, so you really do have to be on your toes for them. <laughs> they seem to be less uh, nervous to ask than an older person would. So good for you, and that you can actually share that um, uh, to to encourage and to help and answer other people's uh, questions. Now, what kind of a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor would I be if I didn't ask about your experience with Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill and when, what age were you when you came to uh, read the book? Did someone recommend that you read it? Did the first time you read it, it blow you away or did you have to pick it up later in life? Uh, talk about it that. It was later in know. life, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't when I was a kid. I didn't even know about Think and Grow Rich until probably 2005. I had somebody in real estate that was um, working on some informal classes and talking about Napoleon Hill's teachings. So it was an informal get-together, and we would do is get-together, I think, once every couple of weeks, and then we would take a, um, a section out of the book and talk about that certain principle of, of uh, Napoleon Hill and how we can really incorporate that in our personal and professional lives. And so that was my first taste of it. I've read the book a couple of times. And you know what? I need to start reading them more often. Now, I get those uh, Napoleon Hill uh, segments every day. day. So I get it. Yeah, I, I, I read those every day. So that's, you know, I've been reading that for probably the last three years. And so it just keeps me, you know, in mind. You know, even though you can be as resilient as possible. But you know what? You really, you know, when you read something like that, it really brings it to a fresh moment for you. Not to right. say that you forget those principles, but it brings it to the forefront, which I think, you know, utilizing your habits and routines and reading something like that on an everyday basis and bite-sized pieces really can just, I guess, by osmosis, but, you know, fill that into right. your heart and your mind and your soul. Right, exactly. It's not that you've forgotten them. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's a cool, I'm going to focus on that today, yeah. or, or I'm going to add that to my uh, daily routine. And and so I love those uh, Napoleon Hill Foundation Thought of the Day emails. I, like you, I read them um, every day. And, and uh, Napoleon Hill, basically, none of the success principles he invented, except for Mastermind, which really was the invention of Andrew uh, Carnegie. So a lot of times you're not learning anything 
new, but you're actually being sold on why these success principles are necessary for you to achieve your purpose and goals in life. And lots of people write about them, but Napoleon Hill is like a sales book on why these success principles are necessary to achieve maximum success with your skills, talents, and abilities. And so uh, I love it, and I would love uh, for you to try and uh, put into your purpose or quest uh, something the Napoleon Hill Foundation is worried about, that young people, youth of today, may not be a big a, big a fan of, uh, as our age of Think and Grow Rich because it talks about people from the 1800s and early 1900s and not so relevant with young people and youth today. So the foundation is worried about how do we carry the message of these success principles to youth so that they too will start picking up Think and Grow Rich or any of Hill's writings and follow the success principles in their lives. And so I uh, hope that would be something you can uh, add to, to your talks and to your coaching with uh, with young people. Um, is I there think a, that's a fine any, idea. Yeah, yeah. You like use newer examples. I read of uh, rapper LL Cool J on a plane with a big known investment banker, and uh, LL Cool J was reading Think and Grow Rich, and the investment wow. banker at all investment banker had also read it so they had a conversation about think and grow rich on a plane to very wealthy individuals and so people like oh well cool jet reads it well then i'll read it and uh, are there any particular books uh dale that you recommend to youth or uh, videos or uh, what things can that you recommend to them that they can use to help them in their journey well, you know, I, I'd like to just point out the book that we just did, Journey to Success, and you were talking about Napoleon Hill principles and how conversations for people from the turn of the 19th century is going to be relevant for our youth. And I think a book like Journeys to Success right. is going to help us with having modern contemporary stories that uh, are attributed to the fact that Napoleon Hill principles to help them on their journey. Right. This is the purpose behind it, Dale, is that yeah. people like yourselves, and we had a great variety of co-authors in the first uh, volume of Journeys to Success, and they all use Napoleon Hill's principle in different times in their life, in different ways, under different circumstances. But the principles apply to all of your life, not just earning money. They apply yeah. to every area of your life and every challenge and adversity you face. And so when people start reading those stories of people from today, uh, then they're like, oh, wow, that will lead them back to Think and Grow Rich. But in the meantime, I'll give them great stories from all kinds of situations that people may go through to encourage them that, yeah, these uh, success principles are something I need to face what I'm facing, and we all face something. And so wasn't it cool to be uh, international Heck yeah, that was awesome. And it took us, what, maybe 12 hours to get to that status? Right, right, in Canada and the U.S. And Canada in the self-help category, like that's Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and uh, uh, Deepak Chopra territory. Uh, So when you're number one in a self-help, you're like, ooh, wow, even better. I didn't even know we put it in the self-help category. So it's like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I was like, Wow, I didn't even know we were in that one. So to be number one was enormously cool. And 
it was a great collaboration. We had a great teamwork with all the different authors. People got to know different people. Uh, and so it was a, a fun experience for me and the authors and, you know, a positive, really great book that you could give to people that no matter what their circumstance in life, read these stories and you'll see how these principles apply no matter what. I agree. Doing, you know. I enjoyed the experience. It was wonderful and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Yeah, it was a it was a a lot of fun. It was very cool to have some of those great testimonials about the book from some really well known people and forward by Ben Gay. I remember when I first started reading his books on sales, closers one and closers two, I was like, Wow, this guy is like a genius in sales and then years later to have him write the foreword for our book is like this is a guy who was who the owner of the company that he was president of, the owner paid Napoleon Hill to personally coach him. It's like, oh my God. It's I so cool, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so to have him in the book, uh, write the foreword, uh, who knows more about Napoleon Hill than the guy who personally was coached by Hill. Hill stayed at his house a number of times um, for days sometimes. And so very, very cool. It was a, a, a very fun process. Uh, we haven't even talked about your real estate business. <laughs> Let's do that. You're in real estate. Let's uh, let people know uh, what you do. Now you're in the Chicago area. Do you only do business in the Chicago area? And do I remember that you're in the mortgage part of the real estate business? Yeah, I'm in the mortgage part of the business. I work for a mortgage banker in um, the Chicagoland area called First Advantage Mortgage. We're licensed in about 43 states. And so it's nice because what I've done was, um, you know, every time I keynote speak around the country, I develop relationships. And obviously they know through my own anecdotes, through my presentations, that I am a mortgage banker and um, I'm licensed in their state. And so I'm starting to get businesses country or to get business countrywide. So not only that, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm changing a little bit of my business plan, not dramatically, but what I'm doing is melding the two businesses into one when I talk to realty companies and financial planning companies and accountants and also uh, financial planners, homeowners insurance agents. What I do is when they have sales meetings, I come in not to, to talk about my rates and programs, but talk about overcoming fear and how I can help their business. And so mm. that's essential to sell. They know, again, I you know I sell mortgages, but I'm not there to sell them. I'm there to help them. So, Right. Yeah. What a great tie-in. And uh, so, so true that the people you impact in your audiences now we'll also know uh, that you're in the mortgage business and 43 states, pretty well anywhere you speak, you're exactly, in business. Exactly. You're in business wherever you speak in most cases. And so uh, you're not even selling them on it, but you certainly are going to be top of mind when any mortgage decision comes. They're like, wow, we really enjoyed Dale and he really uplifted us and helped us with our fear challenge. We owe it to him to at least give him a try. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and that's the best way to do business. Serve first. Yes, it Serve is. first. Serve first. And don't even ask for business. I doubt you end up all your speeches with, please make sure next time you get a mortgage, that you go to the <laughs> center. Not likely. One simple but question. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what's the one simple question? No, I was no, just going to say simple question. Just you know, I, I, you know, staying out there and it's like, hey, by the way, if you do you have a bit of issue with your mortgage or if you're looking at different rates, 
give me a call. And it's a soft sell. And just that one sentence says it all. That's one sentence. That's all you need. And you're not there for that. And it's best in this day and age, attraction marketing, I think they call it, where you uh, will be uh, probably already are working only with warm leads. I doubt you've had to make a cold call in a very long time just because of people hearing about you, hearing you speak, uh, helping them with their fears and challenges, and then getting back to you when the time is right for them. No selling, warm leads, people who know you already. You don't have to sell yourself. And isn't it a lot of fun to do business when you don't have to make cold calls anymore? Isn't that great? That would be a great goal to get to. Now, myself, it's always warm leads because I network quite a bit, and um, I know a lot of people from different walks of life, and so I usually have an introduction from the people I know and the mutual friend that they have. So it um, it really helps that way. And uh, you know, I, I I paid my dues though. I did cold calls for a very long time, and uh, you know, I've developed enough of a relationship with people that um, again, they're all warm, which is great. Right. I think even in our book project, Journeys to Success, that uh, I believe Tom Sutter lives in the Chicago area. I know Tom very well. There you go. You met him. Uh, and so uh, pretty cool to have two Chicago people in the uh, same book. And uh, not the same industry. He's in the insurance business and you're in the real estate business. But insurance is part of real estate just like mortgages are. And so I'm sure yeah. Tom deals with that somewhat as well. And just another example of how you met someone while speaking. Tom, I think, was a speaker. He hosted the event. And, you know, this is another possibility or lead source for you. It is. It absolutely is. Tom's a good inherent referral partner. So um, we not only have a friendship, but there's also a business relationship there, too. Right. Amazing. And Tom Sutter's story is in the book, losing his son to leukemia at the age of 12 after a horribly disgusting battle and uh, the foundation he's gone on to create in the name of Cal, Cal's Angels, and they've raised millions of dollars for young people with cancer in the Chicago area. So another, like yourself, example of turning a horrible adversity into something that will continue to give back and encourage other people throughout time um, because of that one particular major challenge. So great a great example of like you did uh, turning adversity into victory by teaching others how to overcome what you went through already and so amazing i love the work that you do dale as i said uh, people like yourself people like yourself encourage me uh because and likewise my man I mean, it's amazing of all the stuff that you're doing during the course of any given day. And, you know, I get kudos <laughs> right. on that one. Right, Wonderful. right. And so if you're in the Chicago area, hey, forget that. Wipe that out. If you live in any of 43 states, we're not going to name them all. <laughs> but pretty well, no matter where you are, if you need a mortgage, um, Dale will bring a lot more value to you in your personal life as a mortgage broker than mortgage banker than anyone you else you will deal with. So you have to get it or deal with a mortgage anyway. Why not deal with someone who's going to add a tremendous amount of value to your personal life as well as serving you on your mortgage? Uh, is there a website? Yeah, website you right out of my mouth, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, www.dalespencer.com. That's D-A-L-E-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. 
And uh, you can always email me at dale at dalespencer.com. Amazing. Pretty complicated website there, your name. <laughs> People don't have to remember too much there. Dale Spencer. Uh, Spencer with a C. So Dale, S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. Um, make sure to contact Dale um, for any mortgage needs and any uh, fears that you face. <laughs> he will help you overcome them. Have yourself an amazing day, Dale. I uh, love uh, being on the line with you. And, wow, and you got me... Uh, excited now. I gotta go sell something to somebody or something. Go do a speech to somebody. I love it. Thanks, Dale. Uh, Have yourself an amazing day. You too, man. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details.